Hi there, welcome to Live at Gilmore Guitars. I'm David Gilmore, and I am very pleased to have a guy that uh, is kind of new to the songwriting game, but has been around as a human being for a while. He's a great dude, he's a great songwriter, he's a great singer. He's Mike Sable, and he's live at Gilmore Guitars. Spinning wheels far too long And hanging on to something gone We thought we had to see it through Cause that was what we had to do We don't know when it went wrong We only know that it was gone Never thought it would fade Killing all the plans we made So we just kept on pushing through Cause that was what we had to do Didn't know I felt alone with you beside me in our home I can't say when it went wrong I only know that you were gone You were already gone Getting by day by day Not much left for us to say In the end I think we knew Lonely hearts, me and you You didn't know you felt alone with me Beside you in our home You can't say when we went wrong You only know that I was gone already gone and in the end I think we knew nothing left for us to do spinning wheels far too long Hanging on to something gone Well they can't say we never tried But something broke and something died And we don't know when it went wrong We only know that we was gone It was already gone already gone live at Gilmore Guitars Mike Sable my how far we have come Mike <laughs> hi David <laughs> thank you so much for uh, coming by the shop and doing this today. Uh, I feel I feel really really good to be here and uh, 
And yeah, we have come all the way, you say, since our first meeting. Our first meeting was at Roosters at an open mic that yeah. uh, Pete Christian and I were hosting. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I actually remember you getting up and singing that first time. I think you did a, a, a David Gray song. Probably. And, uh, and a Jackson Brown song. And I, I remember standing at the back going, this guy can sing. This oh. guy is. And, and lo and behold, uh, now, what are we, four years later, and you've just finished recording your first record. Yeah, it's been an amazing process. Um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, long story short, in 2016, uh, my 28-year my marriage uh, collapsed and, and uh, I found myself on my own and soul-searching and going through a lot of stuff. And my, my nephew, Justin Rindle, who mm -hmm. you know, David, and yeah. who is just an amazing guitar player, he reached out to his old uncle and he said, hey, Uncle Mike, it sounds like you need some guitar therapy. And... Uh, and uh, man, did I ever! And uh, he's been my—he's—he's he's just been my, my mentor through this, and been pushing me through, and believing in me all the way. And mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and here I am. And he is on the record. He—he—he he, he is uh, prominently featured on a lot of the tracks. Nice. And, uh, he is a really great guitar player. He really is. Yeah. 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 So how lucky was I, to fall into first of all my very first experience with the Red Deer music scene? Mm -hmm. I walked into Roosters, and you and Pete were there. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, stalwarts in the Red Deer music scene for sure. I've come to learn that, <clears throat> and um, and deservedly so and rightly so. But all the other people that were there that became the family that that we all know. It and became love. quite a community. Oh man, it was really special. I'm I'm yeah. really really proud of the the little community that we sort of fostered yeah. there. Yeah. And it continues to be, oh. which is really really cool yeah to this day roosters is no more but there's lots of cool things in, in red deer mm -hmm. like the raw street patio yeah and all the raw summer. street patio sort of uh filled a gap yeah this summer which is really great yeah and there were a lot of gaps this summer yeah. <laughs> holy man yeah it's yeah. it's been it's been a year it's been it's been crazy and it and it's it's cool because well i mean 2020 bad covid but 2020 you recorded your first record and we were just having a conversation before we started recording the the podcast that you said your first song was actually only written in january or or finished in january uh, uh no no actually sorry david um my my fourth song okay ever that i wrote was finished in january but and still only yeah. four songs to going from that to a full-on record well, and, and, and it's been a lot more than that. I mean, the, the thing that's, I think, unique about this record, maybe, is that these are the first songs I've ever written. These are the first 10 songs I ever wrote. Right. The first one was Thank You, and I started that in 2010, and I finished it in 2017. Right. And then a couple more came, and then not much. And then January, I, I wrote FASD. Right. Um, and since then, I think I've written almost 30. That's crazy. That, and and, and it's, it's prolific. It's and and most of them are ready for pre-production. It's it's really it really is crazy. So, so how do you explain, you know, uh, going from from not to to being as prolific as you are? What was it? Just something that was always sort of in the back of your head that I want to do this, and then you finally had an opportunity and just went. Well. 
I think, I think there's truth to that for sure. I remember as a young man w wondering, because I could sing. I always, I always could sing. And, um, and I always sang. I always had a song in my mm -hmm. head all the time. That's never changed. So I think it was there. Um, but I had a few experiences young where it didn't turn out too good. My confidence wasn't good. My self-esteem, you know, we, we, we go through periods like that when we're young. And then, then life took over and I was a dad and having a family and mm -hmm. business and work and money, 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 you know. The, yeah. the, and so it wasn't until everything changed later in my life that I, I really was faced with, well, you know, who the heck am I and what, what am I all about? And, right. uh, and it's been a really beautiful and amazing journey, mostly because of the people that have come in to my life <clears throat> and, uh, and have become this amazing family that, that I enjoy every day here in Red Deer. So. And you also have a lot of people in your life from beforehand. I do. Because an interesting story, and I, and I just thought <clears throat> this was crazy and cool, but the weekend that your record was actually released and put out in the world, you just, you went hunting. You just kind of, you just kind of <laughs> went away, went, went out west and... You, you noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, which I think, I think that's cool. I, I guess, I guess by that time... I knew that what we were doing was right, putting it out in the world was right. There was no holding on to it or milking it or let's release this and that. And it was just let's we're we're proud of this. Let's let people listen to it. Okay. <clears throat> and um and um I quite honestly needed to get away and get out in the mountains and I was out there with my best friend Paul who I know you know this, David, but March sixth he came up to see my, my show at the hideout here in Red Deer, a great venue by the way, and uh he collapsed in my garage and, <clears throat> excuse me, I almost almost lost him. I thought I was going to lose my best friend and, yeah. and my hunting partner of you know almost 30 years. And um, turns out that he's a tough old bugger and he, he made it through what happened. And um, well, he, we're out hunt, we're out at hunting camp again. Um, we got one more show to do at Bows on the 12th yeah. uh, with uh, Curtis Pagu and Ryan Hamadol and, and Levi Cuss and. Um, and then I'll be heading out west. So <clears throat> looking forward to that. So uh, th that that hunt on the, the last weekend of uh, October, did you did you get something? No, nope. or it was just you're out seeing where they are. Yeah, we you know it's really a set up camp, camping trip, wood gathering, scope out the area. You know we're we're getting a little old now. Right. You know, and uh, <laughs> we don't hunt quite as aggressively, and the, the deer are much 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 safer than they ever have been <laughs> out there. So. We still hope to put some meat in the freezer, but um, uh, it's, they almost have to want to, to go there uh, yeah. <laughs> in order for us to get them, and we're okay with that. Yeah. Awesome. So, All right, good. Mike, let's, uh, let's get another song in here on the podcast. Right. Nice. Uh, we're going to do a song called F-A-S-D. Tell me a little bit about this song. Uh, listening to the record, uh, this song really struck me as being very, very heavy. <clears throat> Lyrically, like there's a, there, there's there's a lot of things kind of going on in this song. Yeah, it is it is a heavy song. And when I first wrote it, I had no idea I was going to. I, I actually sat down to write a love song. I had a I had a riff in my head, and it was going to be a thing of beauty, and it just wasn't there. And then the first line of this song came, and I was kind of puzzled by it. And then it just felt like the pen took over. And and looking at the song, um, 
it came from uh, six years of, of being a foster care home, and we had a lot of kids with FASD come uh, okay. and just seeing the impact. All right. I was not aware that uh, yeah. you were fosters. We were, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. My family was, and for six years, and, and we had amazing kids come through and, and a lot of very, very, very damaged damage yeah. kids yeah. You know, and, and for many reasons and FASD was pro- predominant amongst them now it all makes sense yeah so this is uh, <coughs> FASD it's about fetal alcohol syndrome and it is a sad song but I just want to say there are people living with FASD out there who are who are living productive lives and are figuring out how to deal with it mm-hmm. and it's sure not easy for them and of course nobody can see what's wrong with them so they've got that stigma attached as well right as it is in so many mental disorders Live at Gilmore Guitars, it's Mike Sabo. He sang a song about a boy. He said he liked to kill. Twisted kin that lives within. A head that's never still He doesn't know Where he'll come out What he'll do or say It's any time It's anything Maybe not today Whiskey that mother drank was with him in the womb it ended up inside his head and started to consume but mama had a story too of broken trust and hate familiar hands Left her to her fate She found the beast She drank his love Whiskey was his name Or sweet red wine Or turpentine To her it's all the same Most of us don't understand how this could even be. We live our lives oblivious or just refuse to see. screams 
No one heard the screams The whiskey then Is a mama drank Was with him in the womb It ended up Inside his head There wasn't any room Live at Gilmore Guitars. It's Mike Sable. It's a great song. It's a really good song. And on the record, uh, the the guitar, the, the the guitar playing on it. Uh, who who played? Was that Justin uh, on that song? So glad you asked. Justin had little pieces on there. Uh, the main uh, component was uh, an artist by the name of Mitch J. Oh, okay. And yeah. um, he is oh, man. <laughs> uh, I could talk on this whole podcast about the musicians that that Heath. Um, brought into the into the circle on this album but certainly Mitch J uh, he deserves a lot of attention he played well let me start with uh, slide pedal steel sorry dobro uh, flat top flat picking yeah banjo mandolin lead guitar nice he does the lead guitar in that song and everything with him was one take. Everything with him was just like, how does he do that? Wow. And it was brilliant. So uh, Heath West gets mentioned a lot on the podcast, obviously, because he's he's a local producer with a studio, Melodious Design, here in town. Uh, so I've talked to a lot of people that have worked at the studio. So how did you uh, get get to Heath and and decide to use him as your producer for this record? It was, uh, everything about this whole thing has been very, um, I don't want to say intuitive, because that's certainly the, the last thing that I was, was intuitively a musician, but uh, natural and easy, and okay. it just seemed to come when it was supposed to come, and um, and that was certainly it. I, I had struck up a very close friendship with a, a great musician by the name of Ryan Holmadal, Yes, and I met him uh, on one of the first nights at Roosters, and within about... I don't know, 38 seconds, we were old friends. Right. You know how that can go sometimes with people. So he and I were doing lots of things together, and um, and I had finally finished that song uh, that had taken seven years to, to complete. And and I was talking to him about the process because he was recording with Heath. And uh, he was telling me, and I was interested, and I said, well, you know, it'd be kind of cool the song's about my kid's mom, and maybe it'd be nice to leave him that. And I'd like to know what the process is like. And, and so I met with Heath, and I played him the song, and he liked it and, and said, yeah, let's, let's record it. So we started off just doing that. He was just going to give me the experience to record a song. And then uh, it, took, it took no time at all to recognize the quality of human being that he is, yep. but also to recognize that he is absolutely... Uh, and unconscious competent when it comes to the the mechanics of what he does his his hands fly around that equipment like like he's a, a robot and um and 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 so he doesn't have to think so much about that he focuses so much more on on the, the product and the end result as he's working and i just feel so strongly that that there could be nobody else I couldn't be in better hands. I, I guess that's how I have to say it. So 
when you started this, you mentioned that it was just one song. Mm -hmm. So did you have enough songs to go forward at that time or was it just this deluge of, of songwriting that happened and then all of a sudden I got enough for a record yeah it was like that it was uh, the one song and we worked on that and then all of a sudden I came up with Already Gone and and he liked that one a lot and, and we said well let's do that one too and then um, A Song for Everyone which is which was my first single that I released last May um, it came it came and at first we weren't going to record it. I really didn't believe in that song. And then the more we listened to it, we began to together. And I'm really glad we have that. The, the feedback has just been, uh, just been heartwarming right. you know, from people. It's just been unreal. So, um, and again, you know, so that that took us from 2017 to about January when I came up with FASD. And then I was excited because I thought, wow, I got enough for an EP. You know, look at me go. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so we were going to do that. So it just kept progressing and moving and moving. And then all of a sudden, I wrote a whole bunch of songs. And um, I guess I wrote the next seven songs So in June. Was there songs that you constructed and, and wrote in that time that didn't make it to the record? Uh, I guess the truth of that is there is one that I wrote for Katie. But yeah. I, it, to me, it sounded too lush, like a Tim McGraw song that we do as a as yeah. a as a duo, and uh, and I never really considered it a, a viable song. Um, it could be changed and modified, but I haven't revisited it. So um, I, you know, so in that case, yes. But in all other cases, no. They they just the first ten songs really went on the record. Do you understand how rare that is? Um, <laughs> only that I was talking to Heath about it today, and he brought it up. So, and I hadn't um, really even considered that before. So. It, it, it's it's really cool. Um, I, uh, I I have a friend Brock Zeman, who is one of the the most prolific and great songwriters that I have ever met. Mm -hmm. I just love his songs. Uh, he told me once in a conversation that he probably wrote a hundred songs before he let anybody hear one. Wow. So it's uh, you know the just from from one spectrum to the other you know from you know out of the gate having and the the record that you recorded with Heath is a great record thank you like top to bottom it it's a really great record thank you so that's the, great the, to hear the right? songs are good uh, yeah. the the production is amazing the 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 musicianship on the record is just top drawer. Mm -hmm. So congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. I, I couldn't be more proud of it. And and uh, here's some pretty cool news. I was talking to Heath today, and the musicians are, are behind the idea of doing a live release of the album. Oh, nice. Yeah, so um, that's probably a couple months at least away, maybe three. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and absolutely no planning has been done yet for it, but... Um, um, that so so run down something. the list of, of some of the people that actually played on the record. Uh, yeah, thanks for asking that. Really, really thanks. So I'll start with my nephew, Justin, Justin Rindle. Right. And um, if you want to focus on his guitar work, you don't need to listen too much past The Mask, which is the song I wrote for his mom, okay. who, uh, who is a lifetime sufferer of depression. And, uh, and that song is all about her words to me and how she relayed her life 
over all these decades together. She's 73, I'm 61, you know. We've been together a long time. So she's my hero. She's the strongest person I know. But uh, Justin is on that, playing lead guitar. And um, and then I talked about Mitch J. I believe he's out of Calgary area. I don't know exactly where he's from. But he played with Ryan Langlois' band, uh, yep. the full band with Heath. Yeah. Uh, that was the first time I saw him. Um, and... Um, yeah, Mitch has become quite a sought-after huh. uh, recording musician, yeah. especially with the pedal steel. Man, I tell you what, his touch on all of the instruments, if you listen to that album and listen to the banjo work he does, yeah. his touch on those instruments, that that only comes from a gift and a lot of work. Yeah. You know, and that's... So uh, I'm really happy to hear he's sought-after because if he's not, then... Man, I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. how good you'd have to be to to be sought after. And yeah. then uh, um, the drummer Jay Stewart out of Vancouver, he was passing through and was and was a friend of Heath's and had worked with Heath before. And this was at a point where I had no concept of working with a producer. I didn't know what it meant to say, "Hey Heath, I'd like to use this guy," and what that would mean to him. Right. And how that would affect him. So, but I learned um, that, that these producers and engineers uh, that work with, um, I guess we'd call them a stable of musicians, um, they do that for a reason. It's, and it's, uh, it's the, to do with the skill, but also the ability to communicate and get a job done. And the trust. Yeah. And come up and somebody's yeah. going to come up yeah. with a part yeah. that yeah. is complementary to the song. And they did. And with, oh man, it was beautiful. And when uh, Jay. Uh, I was away hunting, I think, when Jay did the first three songs, and he was passing through, and he asked for my permission. I said, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting. I had right. no idea. But I got to sit and watch Jay drum on the other tracks, the seven tracks that, that, that came later. Um, he drove all the way up from Vancouver to be on the project because he was so excited about it, which to me was a, a huge boost of confidence. And, um, and when I met him, again, just another amazing human being and oh my god the skill was (laughs) and the care and the put into what he put into the album and hey what if we do this hey what about this hey check this out right he i mean he brought his kit because the snare drum is a 1934 levy or something and it's a special tom and everything is his right and and bless him man what a show he did um yeah drummers are crazy like that curtis pegu uh, who is uh, um, um, we all know and love Curtis and I'll tell you what he's a treasure he really is and he's been inspiring me for a long time um, in, in music as long as anybody could be inspiring me in music because he's one of the first guys I met you know right yeah. right there with Justin and I, I saw him and Levi Cuss um, whom I, I'm currently in a, in a show with along with Ryan Holmadal I saw them for the first time at the International Beer House almost four years ago I was at that show yeah and they were doing that songwriters round and I was just mm-hmm. it just it, that was the moment I keep telling people this and we'll get sick of hearing it but that was the moment I think I was 58 when I finally knew what I wanted to be when I grew up right and the fact that I I got to just play the Ironwood with those boys and uh, this Thursday I get to play bows with them that's that's a that's a dream come true coming full circle yeah there's no other way to put it it's that good it's crazy it it's is. crazy isn't it yeah. when, when you think about it yeah because the yeah. iron the ironwood stage is an iconic stage you oh, know it felt like it when i was there 
Yeah. And they were gracious. And the one most wonderful host and the sound man, Toby, Tobias. Hey, Tobias, hope you hear this. Um, he was great and, and uh, very uh, light-handed on a rookie like myself. So. Oh, good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that uh, you will not long be a rookie. Um, I hope not. This feels like what I'm supposed to do. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All right, let's do another song. Oh, I love to. What are we going to do now? I'm going to do a song I wrote for my dad. And um, my dad immigrated from Hungary in 1956 during the Hungarian Revolution when Russia came in and, and annihilated his country. And I really um, spent all of my life up until just recently not knowing anything about that. Um, shame on me for not being more interested and... and and uh, this song is about that relationship and about that part of our story. <clears throat> and, um, but it's a tribute to him, too, because uh, he, he came and he adopted me when my biological father had left our family. And, uh, Another in, tidbit of information I did not yeah, know. Yeah, back in 1959, my uh, mom found herself alone with a newborn infant and, and two older kids, my brother and sister. And they had just been moved to Calgary by my biological father, and he decided he had a better idea, I guess. And, and you know what? It's weird how things go. Um, because of his decision, I have three amazing half-sisters that I, I love dearly in B.C. Mm -hmm. uh, that was his other family that he went and started. So, I, you know, I wasn't back there. I'm not judging anything. And, uh, and I had this Hungarian fella, Tony, come into my life and pick up the slack. And, but he was a strict bugger. And... <laughs> He, 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 How he, old would you have been when that happened? He adopted me when I was still an infant, so I was two oh, years okay. old or something like that. So I grew up, he was my father, you okay. know, and there was no doubt. And I had his name, and I was Mike Zabel, and I didn't really know why my brother was a Thorburn and I was a Zabel and how that really worked, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, um, the bottom line is he, he was a great dad. He taught me a lot of really good lessons. He was hard on me in a lot of ways, and... Um, I guess the message is, <clears throat> as, a, as a dad now, and knowing how hard it is to open up to your kids sometimes, that if you can find a way to open up to your kids, um, they might not be as bad as you think. <laughs> so I guess that's the song. It's called Immigrant Son. All right, live at Gilmore Guitars, it's Mike Sabo. I wish we would have simply talked to help me understand memories you held alone, the faith that forced your hand, the fields that held your childhood heart, the home you knew and loved, the pain you felt to watch them burn, the murder and the blood. The choice was made, though not by you, it forced you to the sea. Had to leave your world behind Your home, your family And I didn't know why I couldn't come in Why you wouldn't let me see where you've been The remnants of war will never be gone I am an immigrant son I am Older eyes I try to fill the spaces in between To 
understand a point of view my youth could never see how did it feel to know that you were never going home to find yourself on foreign land abandoned and alone how did you find the strength to live how did you build our home Love to give my mother and her son. And I still didn't know why I couldn't come in. Why you wouldn't let me see where you've been. Remnants of war will never be gone. I am an immigrant son. I am an immigrant son. I saw the man I knew, the dad you came to be. So driven by life, there was a life I couldn't see. And father, when you went away some thirty years ago, I never said a word to me. You never let me know. I wish we would have simply talked. You'd finally let me in. I might have been a better son. I think I would have been. But I understand now why I couldn't come in. But you couldn't let me see where you've been. You carried that weight until you were gone. Live at Gilmore Guitars, Mike Sable, another great song. Oh, thanks, David. Thank you. Talk to me a little bit about the process of, yeah. of, of writing songs. Um, yeah, I think maybe my friends are getting sick of me talking about the process because it's it's preoccupied my mind so much this year, and uh, and it changed, you know. I really hadn't had no process leading up to FASD uh, this year. All the other songs had been written with a guitar in hand. Right. Um, but when I went to sit down and write FASD, it was supposed to be a different song. And when it didn't work, I put the guitar down. And then I just ended up writing the lyrics to FASD. And they literally just poured onto the page. You know, and, um, and a lot of the songs have done that. So my process now really has nothing to do with the song at first it's a story and, okay and and i'm trying to tell the story i think in a way i don't want to tell people what to think but i, I really want the songs to to kind of maybe strike a chord and and create some deep thinking and maybe some reflective thinking in some cases right and and maybe just make awareness and so like fasd for example just to create some awareness and um, but ever since FASD, 
every song has been written lyrically, and I've gone back and I found the music for it. Every song. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. So, so that's I have, guess that's my process. <laughs> have you come at it from <clears throat> the other way at all, where you you've had this this guitar thing, uh-huh. and you just needed to to fill it in with some words? Yeah, I have to give a lot of credit to my iPhone eight or whatever it is, and the notes in there. Uh, it makes it really easy for an old guy like me to remember lines that, you okay. know, that um, I think I went through a lot of my life having these little flashes come through my brain and then they'd be gone. And and now I, I write them down. But the other thing I do is when I come across a lick, when I'm playing guitar, I'll uh-huh. record it. Okay. And the phone is full of those and I have hopes one day that one day I'm going to be listening to it and it's going to strike something. And the other thing, um, um, I've been invited to, to join along with some really great musicians in collaborations and um, I'm not going to talk anything about who they are right now but I'm hoping that some of those little items that have been stored away will come to to some use you know in in those sessions as well so that's awesome yeah that's awesome I think creatively I really don't want to stifle that in any way by trying to shape it I think if it's there I want it out I want to explore it and if that means doing it with somebody else I think that's so so now at the age of 61 are you surprised that you are able to do this and that you've realized that this is something that you can do and do very, very well? Oh, thank you for that. But I, 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 I am. Um, and again, if it wasn't for the people who believed in me way more than I did, I wouldn't be doing this. So, you know, it, it comes down to... Justin, and it comes down to Heath, and it comes down to to, to my gal Katie Grant, you yeah. know, who um, uh, came into my life and has just been the most amazing. I'm, I can't, how do I even ex- de- describe it? I'm very very blessed to have Katie in my life as a, as a lover, as a as a as a companion, as a friend, as a confidant. And as a fan, because I have no bigger fan than her. And, nice. And I sing to her every day. Katie's yeah. cool. She's great. I love Katie. Katie's great, yeah. <laughs> and she's got a really good album. Plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to get Katie on the old podcast. Oh, that'd be great. So. Well, she's got a Gilmore, you know, and she loves she that guitar. And she wrote a song about it. And, uh, <laughs> she, she, she has, and yeah. we're, we're going to get her on here I for sure. Yeah. All right, let's get one last song here on, on the right. podcast. All right. What are we going to do this time? Well, I think it just makes sense to, to, to play the, <clears throat> the song that took the longest to write. This talk, song took seven years to write. Okay. And Excellent. it's the one I started in 2010 when my daughter was in trouble and I was worried that I was losing her and my family and everything was just going. Anyways, I was in the garage and there was a pen and paper and I started writing. Uh, I think more for the sake of just writing it out. And most most of these words came, but it, it never became a full song. It, there was no bridge. It was, there was no completion to it. Um, and quite frankly, I think with the breakup of the marriage, I didn't really know what to do with the song because it was for my ex-wife, and, right. and it still is. You know, she uh, um, she was instrumental in in, in such a, an important part of my life, and she was a wonderful partner in a lot of ways. And uh, um, you know, it's unfortunate where we ended up, but you know, it is what it is as they say and uh, then this song came together so so and, and the song <clears throat> is called Thank You the song is called Thank You live at Gilmore Guitars it's Mike Sabo mm-hmm. 
Sometimes this life's a mystery Sometimes it's all too clear to me I come and go I don't know where I'm coming from Why I'm going there Sometimes my head feels like it's gonna blow Can't seem to take it slow So take my heart Lead me home Take me where I wanna go Take me to that place I know I'll be there with you You always help me find my way Even though I never say Lots of people telling me to do What I should, what I shouldn't do Can't seem to figure out what's right or wrong Time's closing in, don't think I have too long Sometimes I get so tired that I can't see The walls that people put in front of me So take my heart, lead me home Take me where I want to go Take me to that place I know Where I'll be there with you You always help me find my way Even though I never say to you Thank you for the things you do And I don't know where home is I can't find my way I can't see the light Wait for you to find me Take my heart, make it right So take my heart, lead me home Take me where I wanna go Take me to that place I know I'll be there with you Live at Gilmore Guitars, Mike Sable. Thank you very much for coming in and, and, and doing the show. Thank you for building this guitar for me. And it's very cool because the Live at Gilmore Guitars, I get the people to come in. I get them to go to the showroom, pick a guitar to do the show. You brought your Gilmore guitar in yeah. to do the show. And uh, thank you so much for, for being a believer in Gilmore guitars um, and, and buying the guitar. This guitar will be featured at Bose this coming Thursday night for uh, for all those who would like to see it. It's the Sapelli Mahogany. 
And it's absolutely... It's a Model A. Yeah. yeah. That that guitar, um, when I built that guitar, I knew there was something special about it. And at the time, I had, I had told everybody that it was the favorite guitar that I had ever built. And... Uh, and I remember when you came and you, I, I left you in the showroom for a while and you were just playing some guitars and, and you picked this guitar. And uh, I went, yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been through the shop a few times and I've looked in that showroom and, you know, there's been a few in there, but, but um, I wasn't ready to buy a guitar. And, Hell, I wasn't ready to buy one about this one, too. <laughs> but it was one of those things, you know, when you find the right one, you find the right one. And, and if you don't jump on it, you'll, I think you'll just regret it. It's what I tell people, like, you know, when you're ready, I'm here. Yeah. And it could have been a Harley Davidson. Yeah, it yeah. could have been. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could have probably bought three or four Gilmores for a Harley yeah, Davidson. But <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not that bad, believe me, and they're worth every penny. So uh, I don't know how you get the sound out of these instruments that you get. But um, they are surprising, and I can tell you at the Ironwood, people notice this guitar, and I had several comments on the guitar oh, good. from audience Thank you. and musician alike. So, Thank you. So it was really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Me, Live at Gilmore Guitars. It's in the can. <laughs>